Hey, everybody. Welcome to Last Minute Politics. It is a Wednesday, because we always record on Wednesdays. And if you want to join us on the Wednesday recording and essentially hear the podcast a full day or two before everybody else, get on our Patreon. Also, the unedited parts. Yeah, the parts Such as awkward freaking... interjections and stepping over each other. <laughs> yeah, and BSing in the beginning, BSing after. We hang out with people. It's a social fun time. Go over to patreon.com slash lastminutepolitics. It is $1. We don't have any tiers. We just have, if you give us a dollar, you, you hang out with us every Wednesday. At some point, there will be research put into other platforms that perhaps allow the, the tier stuff and don't price gouge like Patreon does now. But I don't know, what do we wall off? Because that's, that's what tiers are, is you're essentially, like, if people are already paying more than $0... You're essentially deciding, like, what do I think is fancy enough that it should be walled off? It's not fancy. To me, the, the, the way you do tiers are for any kind of limited resource things we want to put out there but could not either do for free or do for every patron. So, like... Yeah, what do we do like that? I'll call, I'll call the hotline, talk to Pep. <laughs> 29 I, I was watching like old 90s wrestling and, and they had like the i mean it wasn't just wrestling doing this everybody had like a hotline like call the nintendo power hotline call the blah 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 and they would charge you like a dollar a minute to do it oh yeah <laughs> that was like the microtransactions of the time well really it was to prepare people to get them used to calling hotlines and paying money to get them into phone sex but then the internet happened <laughs> Everything is training for some other nefarious money-making scheme. It's the closest thing to, like, at-home, on-demand entertainment. It's like, call a hotline. <laughs> or maybe get a really fancy... No, there was no TiVo or anything. Well, everybody, my name is Pepper Coyote, and I am joined by... Hi, I'm Dragor, and we got a whole heck of a lot of list of stuff to maybe get into today. Yeah, I want to start with a little goof. This is the content you would get if you were part of our Patreon. You'd be sitting in the Discord right now and just look at the video. But it's uh, there's a, an account I enjoy called Gritty is the Way, which is like <laughs> Gritty, the mascot for the freaking Philadelphia hockey team. But they just post like radical communist memes all day, which is, which is a fun time. And this one, like... You won't be able to hear what I'm looking at, but it's it's a TikTok, I think, and it's just oh the Democrats and the text flopping up. Black Lives Matter, uh, freaking we support Latino brothers and sisters. Stop Asian hate and all these other slogans that that, that you'll hear uh, thrown around, <laughs> thrown around by them. And then it jumps over and it cuts to this to all the military ops and stuff they're doing, like so, Somali civilians drop a bomb, <laughs> freaking Filipino uh, military police, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, find Gritty's account. Look at it. It's because, wow, it sure has been. I mean, this is a constant topic, but it sure has. Uh, they had a, a thing I can't, can't retweet because it annoys people. They're like, oh, Pepper's a Trump supporter or Pepper hates the Democrats. It's like, I do hate the Democrats. But it's uh, one thing that Biden has definitely accomplished is making Trump policies more pal palatable to Democrats because you just look everywhere and just nothing has like on paper changed. Only the aesthetics have. Like the it post is, office. It's an inversion of... <laughs> Uh, all the people that got mad at 
us for going, Obama put kids in cages. And everyone's like, Trump did it so much worse. I'm like, we're not saying what? it excuses either, but it's more than just our bad, D good. Authoritarianism and fascism, bad. <laughs> we need to get a new baker. It's like, well, this baker poisoned fewer people than the previous. Like, well, we're really kind of looking to solve the poison problem in general. So we like, want yeah, to address the right infrastructure in. that enables any kind of poisoning. So last note before we just jump into our actual both have large lists of things, because every week in here is hell, and we have many things to discuss here on Hell News. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to a convention tomorrow morning, like I leave at 7 in the morning tomorrow, and I'm not going to have time to edit tomorrow, so I'm going to be doing that tonight, and that means I'm going to be flying through the edit. This is like going to be a looser edit than usual. I'm going to try to let some more pauses and bub ups go and tell me if it is better, worse, or essentially the same, because if it's essentially the same or better, great, it means I can like... Do less work. time on editing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So please give us some feedback either on twitter.com, last minute politics, send us an email, last minute politics, whatever you're listening to on this, like click in the description thing of it and it has links uh, to, for relevant communications. So Dragor, uh, jump into some stuff. We have a million topics. So as kind of a precursor to doing any Paygate stuff, because we're not switching off of Patreon anytime soon. So if you're listening to this and you want to support us, $1 is all it takes. I thought I had, as far as engagement things, there's what we see and like things people send us but i'm announcing it now assuming it survives through the edit if you see a news article or story or something not just some twitter shithead please have some kind of article linked with it we're not doing anything for the algorithm tag at last minute paul on twitter with a thing you might want us to look at there's no guarantee we're going to talk about it on a show or what have you but this helps us know what do you want us to look into, talk about, get angry with you about? Things There's like so that. many things going on every week we, that if, if you can help us filter what you consider relevant or want to, I don't know, hear us talk about, that's very helpful to us. Otherwise, we'll continue to freaking whatever things. Because like, if you would have asked me four days ago what, my, what I was going to talk about today, that's completely like changed priority-wise. Yeah, so, I can look at... Do you want to go into like, your first one or me? Um, let's do a couple quick and hits and then we can do a longer one. All right. Uh, uh, my first thing doesn't have like a. Uh, uh, it's Marvel. It, this there's not like any uh, closure to this, so I consider this short. Uh, Marvel continues to have. We all hear about suing over the rights to various characters. Well, now we've gotten around to like Marvel is suing for uh, the the original like creators of it, but it's not the original creators because they're all dead. But like the estates of the creators of characters. Spider Man is the big one because we hear about that before it was Marvel versus what Sony or Disney versus Sony was fighting over Spider Man. Yeah, and that the specifics of that aren't what interest me as much as just the concept. That a corporation can like take you, you can make a piece of art. A corporation can legally own it, and and like they can buy their way into keeping it f out of your control forever. Like you could have died a hundred years ago, and they're still like puppeteering your I don't know creative output. What's the biggest known version of abuse of this? You're a musician, so it's easy for you. Are you talking about like copyright, just general yeah. copyright nonsense, and how like the birthday song pop up? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> happy birthday. The birthday song is what the Beatles did. Yeah, happy birthday was famously the, the rights were dragged out for multiple hundreds of years. So they had that's free again, by the way. You can sing actual happy birthday to like legally. That was a few years ago that got effed with. And it's not that I'm th I think that people should be locked down and that like I should have info. No one should ever be able to make remixes and all. I'm kind of the opposite. It's 
it's just creepy when corporations do it because corporations are not people. So now this just like unkillable entity just owns some stuff you drew. Like it's just a strange concept to me. And I think it, it shouldn't seem as normal as it seems to everyone else goes like, yeah, that, that's how it works. And not only Why? that, it's, it's disproportionate. <laughs> there's like, like, all right. So there's two issues at play that are very asymmetrical to what Joe Schmo gets to do as far as putting something out there. Uh, so Fur tweeted about this recently. If y'all don't know Fur, Fur is insanely multi-talented. One of the things he does for fun, which I get, I'm lucky enough to get sent drafts of these, Fur makes um, <laughs> uh, mashups. That's the word. Uh, Fur makes excellent, wonderful mashups. Uh, had Mashup Island, but people kept stealing... And by stealing, we just mean ripping the audio and then publishing it without attribution elsewhere, especially on TikTok. And his stuff has gone viral multiple times to the order oh, yeah. of, like, multiple millions of views. And there is no method of recourse to the people that are, one, not only doing this, two, the companies that do not care because it's generating engagement for their platform, but they're not losing money. And so it's all completely lifted off of the back of the person who actually did it. And then in the other extreme, you have a company taking the rights of, say, the Happy Birthday song or Spider-Man or anything, you know. Pepper, have you released any of your albums under what would be considered a traditional label contract? Oh, never. I've been nowhere near the like, okay. mainstream music industry. So if you're talking about, in general, like, any mainstream music or music published 20 years ago and earlier, none of those artists, if they're alive, probably own the rights to their own music. And they probably won't own them before they die unless they become mega rich. And even then, it's iffy. Like, like Metallica had to wait 30 years and become one of the richest bands on earth and then still had to do a decade-long process to buy the rights to their music back that they wrote in the 80s. You sell your ideas in order to get publishing, and uh, that's how it works. Like, Because at the same time, it's if Metallica had not agreed to do that, or Taylor Swift, or whoever these people who are trying to get their masters back, if they hadn't done that, they wouldn't have been put on tour, they wouldn't have been pushed by these major labels. And it's like, do you want to go... Your options are full indie, or you're just owned. <laughs> like, those seem to be the only two ways to go about and it. Like, let, and let's, those let's are talk better about, than they were. Like, wh And what would, what would I even... Like, let's say I, as an individual, have enough cash that I want to invest in any, like, people who can't do it independent. Let's say I want to do the little indie label and want to help. You know what my contract would have? A limit to where after whatever loan and whatever interest or effort to cover my risk after a certain amount of time, if you cross that, I'm done. I wouldn't ever want to own someone else's art that's wrong because i make stuff i don't want other people to own my shit you're describing making back your advance which is also a thing that sometimes that's sometimes how it works we're like okay we put this much money into it so your first x dollars of sales for the, for that album or usually it's, that's how books work like all the dang time uh like we keep <laughs> so like well, if like you get paid a hundred thousand like dollars for a book and I'm, i wouldn't <laughs> even do first x it would just be a sharing like some you agree upon some 
percentage, and in theory, the person being the lender would have the smallest percent because the people actually making the thing are the ones most in need of means to live and keep doing the thing. That's the nefarious part about the band label contracts. Even Hell, Motley Crue have stories about how they were basically slaves to the label because they were... A, a contract would come up, they would need another album, they would get roped into another long-term thing, so it basically was a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, because, well, that's also, like, the multi-album contracts. It's yeah. like, we're in a contract, we must do at least five albums, and then it's like, that's also like, wow, all this bad music come from. It's like, well, we wrote these last <laughs> three albums under contractual <laughs> obligation. <laughs> then you have Stevie Wonder, who had the most exploitative contract of all time, where he purposefully would not write or record or even play so certain songs out of fear of the label claiming ownership. He released an album called Music of My Mind, meaning music I fucking kept in my head and didn't let the label oh, wow. here so I could own it later. Yeah, it's like, oh, his that was, ooh. One of my all-time favorite time. bands. <laughs> I saw them live several times before the main guy died. Typo Negative, Peter Steele. And they were under contract to produce a live album, so they were given X amount of dollars to go book a show and go do it, and instead they went into, one of, into the keyboardist home studio, got rip-roaring drunk, and faked a live album and delivered it. <laughs> so, like... That's they 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 recorded themselves just doing the audience ADR and all this stuff. So like when you hear on this <laughs> album the audience chanting "You suck," it's the band doing it, and it became a chant of endearment at the live shows. Really, what I'm okay. saying is, if you're in a asymmetrical power based contract, uh, what's what's the term? Use malicious compliance every chance you get. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a million things. What's give, give me something. All right, What's the fast on one on the similar topic I wanted to get into is I saw a tweet from an artist. I don't want to label their name or call them out, but if you find who they are, don't. this is not a judgment on them. This is just a commentary on how frustrating these power dynamics are. So there's an artist that, on their own, drew a bunch of fair use uh, comics and art that was basically a non-canon Spider-Man art thing. And it was done in such a way where they never got takedown notices or what have you. It was probably kind of like the Patreon model. Maybe there were prints or something. But whatever it was, it was legit. This right. person ends up getting a job working for Disney. Uh, this person has previously worked for Nickelodeon. And the tweet that blew my mind that I saw was, this is why I'm taking the Spidey comics down from Gumroad in a couple of days. And that they are going to cool it on the Spidey art while they're working for Disney. They don't want any messes. So they're basically saying, it, and the whole thread is very positive and they're happy and it's a good advancement for them. But the whole thing is essentially thinly veiled. I do not have the means or resources in case Mouse get angry at me. So all this shit <laughs> that made it possible for me to even get there, I now have to take down because that's how abusive they are. Yeah, like, it, it's so hard. Whenever copyright nonsense like this and enforcement that only hurts small artists uh, gets, like, pushed forward and advertised to us, it's always sold as, like, protecting the rights of artists, protecting blah, blah, blah. If your goal is to, if you say that these these laws help art or, like, in, increase the amount of art or the quality of, just like, if, you're go, if you're a pro-art person, it's hard to argue how these are pro-art rules. 
It was not nearly this insane. Like, uh, music is my realm, but in the 1700s, 1800s, and before, like, it was entirely normal. You take somebody else's melody, you'd be like, variation on a theme by blah, blah, blah. And if you called a song that today, it'd be like, variation on legal fees you must pay. (laughs) Like, you'll get taken to court, and uh, I don't think that's a great thing. Uh, I'm going to do another quick hit one, and I'm going to share the link in the chat. Great. It is Andrew Yang announcing that he is leaving the Democratic Party and going independent. And there's a lot of words. (laughs) There are a lot of words. (laughs) And the tweet that I shared in our little coordination chat was from uh, Mark Harris. And it's, you know, I'm going to read this. It's a quote as if it is coming out of the words of Andrew Yang, what he really meant to say. After serious soul-searching and reflection, I have concluded that my book goes on sale tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Concluded? (laughs) And, like, how many times... Like, there's still a certain extent that uh, Trump never planned to win. Like, he's still a narcissist and an ego and all that, so, like, he wanted it, but I think the plan was, of course he's not gonna we're going to turn this into a publicity tour and roll out some books. Like, it was all about the grift and the money, <laughs> and then he fucking won. His ratings started going up. He wanted to, like, make The Apprentice, like, do another big comeback of The Apprentice volume, whatever. Yeah. And is, he's more interested in TV. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's how he ran and operated every step of the way. None of that changed. The system around him propped him up and made it happen. <laughs> but it's, you know, this is why, you know, Yang comes from capital Still wanted the universal basic income, but never... The only thing I really, really, really like about Yang is he put some ideas out there that people hadn't heard before. UBI is largely talked about way more because of his presence. So for that, it's good. But I don't think he is a particularly great candidate for anything. This is like Yang is far... Like doing a book is far less insidious than what I'm about to describe and compare it to. But it's kind of the same thing. Where if if you talk about, if you start going from, like, class analysis of things, people who aren't familiar with, like, approaching arguments from that way going, no, it's because there are two classes. There are the haves, there are the have-nots. They each have, and the haves protect their class interest and certain rules that would help them. They make sure happen and things that don't, don't. So, like, when you talk about that, you'll get accused of being conspiratorial, but... I th- it's it's such the opposite. If we talk about Joe Manchin, like look at who pays him, and that entirely informs his voting record, which sounds so like yeah, duh. But you never hear the fucking mainstream news frame it that way. You never hear him frame, wow, he gets paid more by this one specific coal company who also coincidentally hired his son, and then his sister got a, his his other daughter got another job with this. But like, it's just the most blatant out there quid pro quo shit. And you're going to pretend like people act like, oh, you're conspiratorial by saying that there's a, a group of people coordinatedly making a ton of money by <laughs> cooperating with each other. Like, Let's jump right into it. Uh, not the Panama Papers. That's the old one. What's the new one? Pandora. So papers. there's the Panama Papers. The sequel Talked to the about Paradise all this Papers. Rich hiding their wealth infrastructure. Pandora Papers. Even more details. Uh, You've got Snowden blowing the lid off of many things, including all the different spying and all of that. So we're, that I'm aware of, in recent memory, we are at three, like, three things that make everything Nixon did, as far as, like, 
lying and political intrigue look like nothing in comparison, and nothing of consequence is going to happen again. Yeah, there was a tweet we joked around at each other, and it was just showing all the different paperses that came out, and they're like, maybe awareness of this isn't the issue, because like everybody knows it. It's that we look right at it. The funnier things are all the government responses where it's like, oh, the government of blah, blah, says they're going to look into it. It's like, they're going to look into their own crime? <laughs> how do you think they're <laughs> going to convict themselves? Like, how do you think it's going to go? And it's it's just out there for and everybody sees it. And I think that's why you end up going, because it's like, it can't be that obvious, right? It's got to be something like a cabal and the fucking Illuminati and something, right? It's like, no, it's just, <laughs> they want to keep all of the money they took from you and, and like the money they got from doing crimes on you. So they hide it in, did you, did you hear what U.S. state is like a bigger tax haven even than like Cyprus and whatever? No, I didn't get that far. South Dakota. South Dakota oh. is like one of the biggest tax havens in the world apparently where people just shove their money, their crime money, and you know nothing will happen to them because they are in the other group. They are the haves. And it's not that we don't know about the crimes. Why aren't they getting punished? Because is it possibly because they have set up the system to make sure they never can be? Zanny was talking to us about um, the Catholic Church documentary. Do you remember what that one was called? Starts with oh, an which I one? or something. Invisible or... Uh, I do not remember. If anyone in the chat remembers. Essentially, there's this documentary around all the Catholic Church abuses. It's very much unfun and incredibly enraging. And one of the interviews with... I don't, I don't know Catholicism that well, so I don't know, a bishop, a cardinal, I don't know, someone who was being interviewed that was in the church that, like, even if you take them at face value, that they do believe in their faith and scripture and all of that, and they believe in Jesus' teachings and doing good, they're still saying, but you can't just take away the Catholic church. It's too <laughs> important. So, like, in the face of... Kids are getting raped and abused and worse, and the response is, well, yeah, but... And it's the same thing with every single story that comes out with all of these crazy, rich, and powerful people. There's still this failure to internalize or reconcile the fear of the unknown of, that's always been there for most of people in this country. So the idea of... All of Walmart going away overnight is still technically scary. We, like, that's th a gut those reaction. Those are some of the institutions that we have. Like, Walmart, same thing if, like, all of McDonald's disappeared. What is the and biggest the issue you and I face to even average Joe Schmo means well folk that recoil when we say, defund the police? It's, it's immediately this backpedal. Well, what do you mean? You, there's going to suddenly be no police? What about the crime? And, like, there's that gut reaction. The first thing I ask anyone is, when is the last time you or someone you directly know, one, had to call the police, and two, had a good outcome from it? Nine yeah, out of ten like people just stand there and think. Defunding the police is not the same as legalize all activity. <laughs> make, make anything, everything, yeah. the purge. Like, do anything you want, and there are no consequences. It's like, we have the police today, and financial crimes happen every single day. We had eight years of Democrats with Obama. Not a single thing happened to Wall Street, except while they did get more money in bailouts.
So talking about how this is this is connected to the still the the papers. The papers. This is exposing ta- essentially tax crimes if you want to get down to it because that's why they hide the money is because they don't want to pay to taxes which fund the social programs that keep a lot of our rinky dink uh, fucking societies running. Uh, so wh- when I say they designed the system to make it so that they uh, that like consequences are essentially impossible for cert- for for one class of people i don't mean that they sat down in a shadowy cabal and uh, d- des- designed it like intentionally with like two people sat down and drafted all the rules of evil capitalism <laughs> it's just whenever they have an op- it's like a choose your own adventure shit where every time they have an opportunity to ed- to hedge their bet to stack things in their favor they take it and every time they have an opportunity to disenfranchise uh, our class the working class everybody else they take it here is an example of that so it's like a it's a steady gradual uh, it's not one mastermind evil palpatine makes it all happen it's if you have if you always act in your class interest that's the inevitable result and they have the power to do so new rule that is attached to the big uh infrastructure bill the the reconciliation over three trillion three trillion dollars over 10 years uh, bill and uh, that is that the IRS banks will now be assuming this passes, which we hope it passes because it has some good things in it. But here's just like when I am like, yeah, whatever about the here's some of the things also in it. Any transaction over six hundred dollars. I'm posting that in the chat is now like the banks have to tell the IRS about it. And reading down, I have a USA Today article and like the the, the headline is claim about the IRS monitoring bank accounts over $600 exaggerates reality. And then you, you, because, okay, why, why would I, as a small business person or, or just any, I guess, America, like anybody living in America, why would I care if the IRS knows about any transaction I do that is 600 or more dollars? Well, or any amount, like, well, and, <laughs> having okay, the bank okay. just tell so let's, shit. let's get, let's go right to why I'm so confused over the thing. They can get that whenever they want. Like, it's already there. It's all already digital. The difference being Snowden that blew the lid off. Like, they, request... they have access to all of this. So, like, they're, they're legalizing it? I don't understand what fundamentally is being gained or what the game plan is. Like, what's the use of it? Why? They already have it. They already have access. They can look into whatever they want for anyone cuz they're all in bed with the big banks anyway. So like what what's what am I missing? It's the difference between being allowed to access if you want and you must send a report. You know what I mean? It's not oh we found out about a thing so we're going to go investigate it. It's now no every single transaction of 600 or more dollars you got to like we're putting that shit in a file and we have it like at any time <laughs> we can go back and look for it. And as you read down, in this USA, it is a very. De- I picked the USA Today one because from the headline, it's kind of defensive of the rule. Like everybody, calm down. Uh, they say it's to keep people from dodging taxes, and they set a low amount to try and keep rich people from getting around it. I'm like, that's they not already how get that around works. it. They don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This doesn't First of do all, their anything. Their money's not in the country. Their money, as we just said in the blah 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 papers, is not even in the U.S. for the IRS to look at. That's kept in tax havens, and we all know that. Can you afford a tax haven, Dragor? Can I afford a tax haven? No, only regular people will be affected by this, and it's so blatantly obvious that this is a move, this is a move they get to take that is against the working class and for the ruling class. Yeah. And you combine hundreds of these moves, and you get our system. So there is is a current uh, 
among the have class, there is a battle going on, and there are two things at play. And one is they want to be authoritarian and controlling of the workers, and the other is they want more money. Do you know what topic I am talking about? Ooh, uh, I, I need to look at your list. No, don't look at the list. Make a guess. Make a guess what you're talking is, is this one of the strikes? No. Oh, tell me then. It is about working remote and returning to office. Ooh. Because... So it could become a strike. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of happened like that, yeah. Um, so, from some unnamed CEO was every time a competitor mentions return to office, our recruiters reach out to their people. We've hired 15-plus of their engineers in the last two months. People just want to be treated a little... They just want their lives to be a little nicer. That's Well, but, that's like, what, let's, let's, let's look at this is. through the two filters of... Well, through the three filters. The workers themselves and then the two sides of the ruling class. The authoritarian one is easy. They want to bring people back in to exert their control and have them under thumb because that's how they've operated. And there are a lot of overpaid middle managers that get away with not doing work when everyone's in an <laughs> office. Yeah, they just have to stand around and look at it. It's the guy with the TPS report guy. It's like, what does he do? It's like, but, he just walks around and bitches at people. <laughs> but the angel investors don't even give a shit about them. They're just tools to oppress and fuck with the people actually doing the work. And you have to keep your phony baloney like advancement structure going. So you have to keep making new management and middle management and upper lower middle management jobs to make sure you can give people promotions. And, uh, and there's so many now, studies about how wasteful. The flip side of it is you're getting evolution and autonomy where there's a bunch of people that are sitting there going, all right, well, enough workers have gotten a taste for it and there's friction here. So let's capitalize on this energy and just lowball everyone go, yeah, but we're ahead of the curve. We're, we're staying remote. We're fully remote. You got it. You got to do the Zoom thing. Yeah, but hey, you can live wherever you want now. You know what comes That's after what? that? One, two, three, five years down the line. Ah, well, you have to submit where you're living now, so we can prorate what we pay you based on the cost of living in your area. Like it's not about making the workers happy. It's about there is an energy there, and they're heading it off at the pass. That's where I'm kind of conflicted on which way it's going to go. Because if you asked me uh, early into the everyone work at home thing, I <laughs> I, I bought into the idea of, oh, the, this is the, the neoliberal utopia. Everyone literally <laughs> has their own bubble where you don't even have to leave your bubble to go to work. It's the fully individualized life. I can customize everything about my... But also, and and you and you're never not at work too. If you work remote, work is just like right next to your bed. Like you're even closer to the Ready Player One future. Oh, but yeah. at the same time, it it seems to be giving people more time to sit around and think about, hey, X, Y, and Z is bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't want to go back to work. I'm sick of blah, blah, blah. Because it's like, which is more important? Having being able to 24 hours keep people keep people at work because they're fucking on their computer at home. Or the soft power you can exert over people in an office environment. I, I, we kind of talked about this. I hope it allows for more time to consider the environment in which we all live, a.k.a. capitalism. Uh, but in my experience, both is moving to working fully remote even before this happened. You know, I got my four-day work week. Uh... I think it's overall having a pacifying effect 
more, I think the pacifying effect are outweighs thinking about how fucked you are because to everyone that had to be in office, myself included, as soon as, because you don't have to work at home, you can go wherever you want. And if you are one of the people that figures that out and gets into that healthy ritual for yourself, you stop thinking about the systems and you're just like, oh, I have more opportunities for me. I'm just going to take it. And I'm, that's not is a judgment. The... When so much time is taken from you on a commute, when you get that time back, you don't go, oh, well, capitalism and all these commutes are bullshit. You go, I've got two hours back. Let's play some fucking games. Let's cook. Let's... Like, and that's that's the energy that's being wielded and encouraged. Like, that's where the messaging is around. We offer work remote, and when you're done, you don't have to commute. You can go play the new Halo. I'm curious to see how it works out. I do think that in general, if we're talking if we're talking about like in the now, what helps people, and heck, in the future, uh, like ways. Oh, how can X? How can various people contribute to society in a meaningful way? Who would uh, traditionally be considered like I don't know, just burdens on society? Is like, well, if you introduce work remote type jobs and technology based tasks that need to be performed, there's a whole bunch of people with like ambulatory issues that. I might not be able to do a commute easily that now can contribute in a like a, a positive way when it's not being used in its current creepy gig economy. Oh, we can pay you less because you have a disability like type shit. Yeah. As a thing, the fact that we can work remotely, I see as a general, I mean, it's good. It's in the same way that like automation in a perfect, in a better world would be seen as good. It's like, oh, cool. We can eliminate all these jobs no one wants to do. But here it's like, oh, cool. We can pay fewer people. <laughs> That's what that yeah. actually ends up meaning. Wow. I would love to have a nice shiny future or a nicer one where work at home is not used as a tool for further labor oppression. Uh, the other part right. that I'm waiting for, for like the full... Im- you're going to see more. The thing that work remote does is it isolates you more from your coworkers. So, like, for example, if if I really start putting motions into, all right, I want to do some kind of union in tech in Chicago, be it in general or just at my company, that is factually harder to do because I would have to go to each person I would want to talk to about it and exchange contact info and go to a different network. Which is a lot more, which is a lot harder to do and sell people on than, hey, you want to go get coffee and talk about this thing where we're not being spied on? I don't know. It's, <laughs> there are, there are strategic hurdles, especially in a lot of middle class jobs where the remote thing makes organizing harder i think yeah i mean i'm not an accelerationist but at some point the the thing that produces revolution is are having the appropriate conditions and any incremental little tiny bit of nice breadcrumb that you give to labor can be seen as like oh well this will this will tie them over and keep them from rebelling for another few months or another year or whatever let them have the, like when the strike ended when these strikes end in vastly unsatisfactory ways it's like oh well those specific employees will have a slightly better time and then we can just do our crappy labor practice with everyone who we hire in the future and we continue the gradual it's a it's a th- death by a trillion cuts all these tiny moves death by against a trillion the tax class. cuts yeah right <laughs> that too <laughs> is that the title <laughs> of the episode 
It's the uh, death by a trillion tax cuts. I'm yeah. gonna, let me type that. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. Uh, uh, we kind of okay. Talk talking about taxes, I have a do look it. at us. I'm, I'm able to segue right into these. Talking about taxes and what our taxes pay for. So we now have. We hear about COVID medicines that are not vaccines, like COVID treatment things. Uh, mostly we hear about like ivermectin and what was one uh, hydrochloroquine before that the drugs that were in no way developed for covid and doctors have never not said like that that it helps <laughs> things that it's like yeah there is technically it's not a it's a non-zero chance that it will help your covid but it has not been studied at all and you probably shouldn't just be taking drugs and hoping for the best they have an act an antiviral now uh, that showed promise i'm reading off an axios article that i linked in the thing that showed promising results against severe COVID-19. So it was developed at Emory University with uh, $35 million in taxpayer grants. And the only reason I say that is, do you think that this government money publicly funds... And when I say, remember, that's just our money. When you pay your taxes, part of that is going to things like this. Do you think it's going to be free for the taxpayers who paid for it? Of course not. Like the thing just goes into like, okay, we're going to charge it. The rest of the article is just the economics of how much can we get away with charging? And they're mentioning like a tiered price structure and all these. That that's uh, even talked about. And we're not rioting in the streets over that blows my mind yeah. because, well, we've got our vaccines now. So. Oh, it's like, that's the attitude, right? 600,000 people. Can I have that treatment for free? What are you insane? Yeah, but I paid for its development. What are you insane? There, this is another example of where, for whatever reason, the right people that kind of kicked off the open source and free software movement, and yes, for all of the problems he has, because Richard Stallman, outside of advocating for free software, is a problematic motherfucker, but, uh, like, why? All right, tax taxpayers funded it. I'm not necessarily saying the whole thing should be free because there's a lot of infrastructure to it and things, and whether it's tax dollars or what have you, all right, fine. In this day and age, we're not in Star Trek, so there are costs. We have to budget for those things. Should it be allowed to be in any way in the hands of a for-profit entity? Absolutely not. Uh, should the government have funds or whatever to subsidize or make it as easy or like at cost as possible? Absolutely. Should the details of the thing be completely published and open? Should there be a single fucking patent surrounded, surrounding anything government funded? No. They talk about the patent things, and apparently the, the government does own some of these patents. But we're thinking about it and, ta- and discussing this from a, the from the, I guess, the supposition, the presupposition that this is intended, like, oh, the government's goal mainly is to help people and develop a drug and not, and kind of ignoring the reality, which is, oh, what senator's friend works at whatever company, at at Merck, M-E-R-C-K, who works there that they got this? It's just a way for the the government to funnel tax money into a private corporation. So they treat it and think of it as if we had developed a new fucking headphone cover and then sold it. Yeah. What with tax money? <laughs> like, the news was when the vaccine stuff was being developed, it was getting rolled out, and it was showing success, and everyone was very, very excited globally. Of like, oh my god, are are we actually gonna like get an out for this? Cool. And all of the news around it was okay. 
these facilities in these couple of different countries have figured out how to do it. And the talk was how, you know, representatives from the United States, World Health Organization, <laughs> how people are going to coordinate and get this shit out there as fast as possible. How to get these formulas to new, uh, what is it? Pills might be compounding. I forget the term for like the, the name of the actual facility that makes your medicine drugs. But the idea was like in India, for example, why ship it? Let's use their existing infrastructure, build some new infrastructure and just have them make it there. And then like Bill an Gates and other vaccine. people stepped in and heavily lobbied to not share the patents. And so what happened? Biden comes out and says, we're going to work with how to uh, equitably, equitably share this vaccine <laughs> info and, and Pfizer and Moderna. And like, we'll, we'll figure out how to get this. Like, it was, it was blatant. That, how many people died because of that decision? Send us donations to ship our vaccine to these countries. Meanwhile, we will not allow them to produce it locally, even though we could just like fucking email them the formula and say, go for it, dude. Like, oh, we can't guarantee was, you if they're going to be able to make it right. It's there like, well, was, they're uh, dying now. Bill Gates and other, I, I don't know which senators or people in the United States in particular, but I know Bill Gates was a major player of this, so fuck that guy for many reasons. But a lot of the articles, too, was how India, you know, didn't have the ability to to go to scale or make it safely. And, like, yeah, India has a lot of areas where there isn't what, for whatever imperialist and racist term it is, there's a lot of India that doesn't have first world infrastructure. There's also a shit ton of India that does. And some of the leading breakthrough medical research comes from India research facilities. Motherfucker, every doctor I've had in my life was India. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, but they come here, Pepper. That's where they learn yeah. the real medicine. Well, it's, <laughs> when in reality, it's like they get a good, ed they get an education, and then, oh, I, I can fucking. I, I'm now uh, going to be allowed to emigrate. I have one of the jobs that they'll let me come over for. So you get to that weird, like, uh, it's survivor bias, but like kind of in a different way yeah. where you get weird libertarians talking about like Asian people are the smartest people on the planet. Look at how all the Asian college students do so well. It's like, yeah, but it's because the only people who can afford to come here from China probably have a little bit of money. If they can put their kid through four year, four years of Princeton. Yeah, no wonder they're doing well. It's survivor bias. Like, this is not just a pure sample of all Chinese people. <laughs> this is people who have parents who can afford to get you to the thing. Do the Here's also, from the we, we can't deny it, it is it is not a conspiracy, but it's not as like crazy big conspiracy, but it is a known thing, depending on where you're coming from in China, that people are being sponsored to come here so they can bring things back to China. In particular, literally stealing IP and protected secrets. I know this because this is an in, one of many <laughs> incidents that happened, <laughs> but this happened at a job I was at. A guy got federally double plus fucked. Because he got caught stealing infrastructure code from the uh, basically the world's largest futures and options exchange software platform, because none of that's open. So the U.S., the USA, and CME Group, they want to be the entity that brings it to other countries, and other countries are like, no, we just want to do our own. And CME Group goes, not only do you not do that, but if you try one, we'll bully you and open one there anyway. 
So I have a, a line from the Axios article I did just talking about prices. By the numbers, the U.S. government paid $712 per treatment course in June. Each course requires patients to consume 40 pills over five days, so the government paid about $17.80 per pill. Bullet point, that is at least four times cheaper than remdesivir, an IV drug that treats COVID-19. But two researchers estimate, oh boy, let's say it, molnup. Molnupiravir, Molnupiravir could be made at $20 per course or 50 cents a pill and still include a 10% profit margin. So do you think they're going to sell it for 20 bucks? Nope. <laughs> going to bet they're going to, they're probably going to go over the 700 to be a thousand dollars. Like, what do you want to die a COVID bitch? Give me a thousand dollars. Like, like every medical, everything they treat it like they're dealing yo-yos. And it's like, no, you are essentially like holding my arm. It's like, if you want your arm back, better give me 50 bucks. It's like, I guess I'm giving you 50 bucks then. And if you don't have it, eh, keeping your arm, like die then <laughs> it's, uh. preaching to the choir. We all know our medical system is, is wrecked. And we have a president who, uh, used the the lie of uh, like f- doing something about that to yeah. get into office and isn't. I want to uh, relate what you just mentioned about the pills and price stuff here and how it's going to be inherently unethical for your average person to pay for it. And let's uh, let's recap back. We don't have to highlight it or read it off, but you had a Twitter kerfluffle <laughs> around that. Didn't Biden say that treatment would be free? Isn't this treatment? Probably. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, he also said he was going to cancel student debt, and it was going to be $2,000, and what else? What else did he explicitly lie on? What was I talking about? Biden on Twitter? That's all I do. If you follow my Twitter, you can listen to me just (laughs) shit on Biden 24 hours a day. I don't know. He's in charge. But I I wanted to? to do something about you. I can't find your tweet for it, but you had some commentary on callouts that I wanted to get into. And this relates How back I, uh... to this is I have a whole theme for today. I guess I didn't tell you, but the list kind of worked out. So the whole reason I want to get into the callouts and what you did for that and what has happened to you and what we continue to see is what you describe as where does the energy go? So I if you did speaking of me on Twitter, I have I got canceled like three different times earlier this year, and I just after the second or third one, I was like, I'm not engaging with this. If all if the only time I ever see your account pop near my timeline is to shit on me, I'm just gonna start blocking people. So I started blocking people. People started blocking me back, and now Twitter is nice because like most of call out furry Twitter just has blocked me, or I've blocked them, or they just don't talk to me. I don't know. They've maybe they've the algorithm. Have I been added to a block list? Very I'm exciting. sure you're. I'm sure we're on several for various several reasons. Block lists. It, I get where that comes from because you want to have control over your situation. Talking about energy, and you want we have clear. If you want to talk about like the the point of democracy and the will of the American people, there's things that are so insanely popular, and we elect people and knock on doors to say, "Oh, this popular thing that we all want to have happen." This guy says he's going to do it, or this senator, or whatever. Biden just—he's the head of the Democratic Party, so the buck stops there. So I'm going to say Biden is shorthand for the entire establishment. Well, not even anybody, anybody in the Democratic Party, and. You can't, We. it seems impossible to get them to actually do fucking anything, and you get mad about that, so then you get on Twitter, and you're like, well, I might not be able to make Biden do anything, but I can fuck this rando up on Twitter, <laughs> or at least give it a shot, or you're not even thinking that far, just F you, blah, and you send it out on, like, at least you know they're gonna read it, and they're gonna have 
it's going to process in their brain. You're not just yelling at the brick wall. But if that's where all of the revolutionary energy goes, that doesn't do anything. I don't want to re-go through my canceling. No, we don't have to do that. Do crimes? (laughs) So you you tell me. So this is a thing I predicted, and by I, I mean myself and several others kind of witnessed it. But a casual takeaway I saw from Cheeto running and doing quote-unquote cancelable thing after cancelable thing (laughs) just one after another to the point where it was jaw-dropping because other republican candidates got fucked and got shoved out of the running for less right it's weird who does and doesn't but the the op the mo is do you fight it or do you acknowledge it at all and the cheeto mo is shit does not stick to him because he just moves on. It's a combination of the shotgun approach of he's doing so much, what are you going to do? Single out one thing? How dare you ignore these 80 other awful things he's doing? And the Republicans, for the most part, have been good at that at large, and it just leveled up with him. And the part that scared me of the whole thing is sitting there going, mark my words, after Cheeto, the Democrats are going to start doing it. And holy shit, has the Biden presidency really leaned into that. You just move on, and most people don't give a shit. The $2,000 checks. Nah, they just moved on. Canceling student debt, they just moved on. BLM happened during another time and year before I was president. We don't have to address... Move on. One after another after another. And while I hate that, and while I think a consequence of that is going to be an uptick in leftist infighting, because there was at least the illusion to me in my limited years on this planet that the Democrats occasionally would react and do things. History tells me that there were a series of social things that have happened that didn't need riots for them to happen. It was just like, ah, we, we need to keep our control. We got to give them something. And that's just kind of stopped. So is this the next <laughs> stage? Is, is that the last remaining thing to get people fired up to go, yeah, the Democrats don't listen either. And if you're in a marginalized or just straight up, you know, non-middle class population, they weren't listening to you anyway, so that's not new. But it takes all of us to come together and, you know, deal with asymmetrical power structures. Is the Democrats owning the ability to just walk away from shit going to give us, the people, the ability to do something finally? The the stereotype is like the crazy, like the deranged Marxist who rants. And I see like class analysis specifically as a way to remove myself, to, to make myself feel, not remove myself, to make myself feel sane while looking at it. Because once you remember, yeah, the shotgun approach works, it doesn't work necessarily. It, it's What it works on is media and uh, like narrative and the fact that the incentive structures of how our information is thrown around, like talking about everything from clickbait to just manipulation of the news cycle to Andrew Yang wanting to sell more books. So he starts tweeting about always leaving the Democrat party. Like the, that all starts making sense and is a lot easier to get above the noise. If you just remember like, Oh yeah, this is the ruling class protecting their interest and trying to get the lower class to fight amongst themselves because we don't direct our energy when we're mad about the Democrats that gets directed to all oh, the Republicans or all oh, the redneck on my block who has a Trump flag and has absolutely no power over any of these situations. Like they get us to get mad at each other. 
we see the school board. I'm sure you've seen the like people going to school board meetings and like threatening to kill school board members and all that. The discussion is not about the issue. The discussion is only about decorum <laughs> at school board meetings. It's like we need to stop threatening people. It's like, well, what is even happening? Like, what are school board? How do they, like? We are so about symptom to symptom to symptom. We will not look at the problem. <laughs> at the problem, it's the whole like it's part of why we. Crime is bad. Throw a bunch of cops at it. Like, that just completely disregards any kind of actual looking at what causes crime. Like, murders went down in the 90s because a bunch of years before that, they got, we got lead out of the water. <laughs> like, we stopped using lead pipes and lead paints as much, which fucks up kids' development. And they're a little bit more likely to grow up to be a, a murderer, apparently, because what else can explain like that seems to be a correlation in data. Not everything needs to be like, oh, if we just like threaten people enough and tell them how they should live their lives hard enough, they will live them in that way. There is and, we are we are conditioned. So what's like a lot of foundation of our messaging? It's very future focused. If you do the work, these things will come to you. Uh, our entire medical infrastructure in no way is geared towards health and preventative care it is symptom treatment and then when you get to something either you have the means to go treat and prevent or you fall into something where you know the system acknowledges goes ah well if you do this you'll have hell with insurance but this is what you do uh, i had a college professor on an american studies course he was a vietnam war vet very interesting character, and he had a commentary on the difference. Someone asked, because we had uh, a UK, I forget where in, was it the UK? We had, we had an overseas student who asked him, like, in your view, what's the difference between UK students and American students? And he said, if you ask, if I were to ask either to explain a certain situation or phenomenon, why did X happen or what are the consequences of x americans in general will start talking about future implications of the thing in the immediacy without really digging into why it happened to begin with while the uk folks immediately start oh well to but to even understand this thing you have to go back 10 years 20 years 50 years 100 years and it was just it was a little observation that this guy i don't think it's 100 percent universally true but in terms of like look at our look at the difference between our healthcare system and any other good healthcare system it's what you just said we treat symptoms not the underlying root cause and that's it as i get older it seems largely true as how we as a society operate because that's what capital wants you to do the histor there's if you see historical materialism the idea of looking forward and and going just like barreling on like oh well if we do this well but almost the good I, you can take this as good or bad news I, I choose to take it as good uh, a lot all the most of the shit we're talking about has either like you can just look back at this action produced this reaction and like a lot of these things have already been tried we're trying to like reinvent the wheel on like oh how do we have better healthcare outcomes we know how you have better healthcare outcomes because there is historical material evidence of that uh let people go to the doctor does gets better health incomes and not even talking about historically you can look at everyone brings up different countries look at the nhs in the uk and like look at their child mortality rate especially like by zip code and and etc 
these are all problems that have solutions and you can point back to specific historical examples of, well, X did that and here's how it turned out. If you want this result, this is what you must do. And it's not like the people running the country don't know these things. <laughs> they just are more interested in continuing to collect paychecks from it. Like they're not even, I don't think they're ideologically driven necessarily. They're probably not Joe Manchin. Why is it just like at the beginning? Is it because Joe Manchin is evil or is it because no, Joe Manchin wants that coal money. So he helps out the coal people. That's his, his evilness <laughs> isn't an intrinsic property. It's a consequence of his actions. Moralist arguments are just so it's, it's hard when I'm talking about material things. Like it, I know when we're, we're talking about them, uh, I'm not even directing that at you. No, it's no, just I'm another just, way of like I'm how demoning. I stay sane. Like here's the thing, Kirsten Cinema. Yeah. Uh, not you can find so how many clips have you seen back to back of Kirsten Cinema saying we need to do blah blah blah, and then here's her doing the exact opposite. Like that is the meme now. She was like in Black Block in California, ready to tip over a cop car like seven eight years ago. And now, the, has everyone seen the, the bathroom <laughs> bathroom clip? That makes it sound dirty. So we, uh, put, people keep trying to confront Kirsten Sinema, Arizona senator, my senator, Democrat. Two Democrat senators. Like, everyone talks about Georgia going double blue. Arizona did that shit, too. Except both of our senators are hella paid off by fossil fuel corporations. And Kirsten is very publicly just an asshole <laughs> all the time. So she's, <laughs> she's very hateable. <laughs> like she leans into being a shit they keep finding her in public. There was a video of somebody who walked to the front of their flight to talk to her because she's sitting in first class, of course, uh, to ask her like, hey, why won't you vote for the Build Back Better plan, which is the three point whatever trillion dollar re re reconciliation. But like, why won't you vote for that? You know, about and it's not that Kirsten, she doesn't even do the like, well, we have to work on blah, blah, blah. She just fucking ignores people. And she like puts her earbuds in. And you're like, oh, I just want to lose my mind. And somebody, she teaches a class at ASU and they start questioning her just in the class because she doesn't do any town halls. She won't talk to anybody. And then she just like runs away. She goes, she goes to the bathroom and they just keep, they just follow her, follow her into the bathroom. And they're super reasonable. It's getting framed as like she's being attacked. It's this lady who's like, why won't you vote for the blah? I'm a DACA recipient without a path to citizenship. Like they're talking about specific policies. They're not like, Kirsten, here's top 10 reasons why you fucking suck, you bitch. Like that's not what they're doing. <laughs> but it's getting treated as the same thing as the school board i'm like death threats on school board members you want to talk about respectability in politics what let's do it so there's a tweet thread i pasted the image in our chat and i'm going to read it for all y'all listeners now because uh, i largely agree reading. with it it's a tough pill for people to swallow that sometimes it's okay to treat the ruling class like you know your oppressors in ways you don't <laughs> think people ought to normally be treated the same rules cannot apply because those rules don't apply to how they treat you. I mean, that there's a thread, but that is the embodiment of all of it. So, like, in response to uh, the bathroom incident, if you will, uh, one of the replies lower in the thread is, I've heard the, how would you like it if someone did this to you argument? And, like, well, that person well I wouldn't like it. my whole neighborhood. I, as an individual, work and write software for a capitalist entity that does a lot with obituaries. In no way, shape, or form does anything I do change the course, like materially change the course of lives. I can fuck up, and the worst that happens is a website goes down. I can fuck up, and people don't get, may, might not get flowers on time at their funeral. That's really unfortunate and sad, and I don't want to make someone's grieving process worse but in no way shape or form 
have I taken a move or specifically not taken a move that's going to get someone deported, for example? So when the person who's the representative or literally the person wielding the power to do something that materially either improves your lives or can stop material harm to your life, and if they just ignore you, how is that any difference than saying, not only am I not going to do anything about some form of systemic oppression or violence your way, I am outright okay with it. I think in the balance of like throwing a, to even go more extreme, throwing a milkshake at somebody, which is way more than any of these people did to fucking Kirsten Cinema. Even that, like, how do you compare that to in retaliation or actually not even retaliation? Just you're throwing a milkshake at a person who's going to get you deported. The person talking to them is a DACA recipient. Like they have they have stakes in this. They are an ASU student. Like it's not just trying to act like there's some kind of equivalency between criticizing somebody in public and like they treat the. The, the person they're going after, just all all of their person is summed up in their reaction in that one instance. Like, they just stood there and poor getting, like, poor senator getting picked on. It's like, yeah, that senator then goes to work and strips away your rights. Like, it's it's not a, they aren't doing anything. This is, if anything, a de-escalation. We're trying to talk to them to convince them to prioritize the lives of their citizens, the people who put them in power in the first place, over the companies that own them, that I own our senators. I just had a thought and breakthrough on part of our struggle with the language of why I think this happens. Because, like, take a reasonable person who just happens to see this, you know, the propaganda that's going to come from ABC, ABC news on this topic and they're gonna go oh that's rude and why is that like so let's investigate why do people have this reaction not just of course they're gonna spin it and put propaganda out but what what's the root cause of that reaction and it is i believe because elected office has been framed as being another job it has been (laughs) framed as the working class so it's framed as such so when the propaganda machine goes out, people see that news story and go, oh shit, that could happen to me. They don't see a class distinction. They don't see that this is not just like me and two people of equal power level talking to each other on the street. This isn't me harassing the Dairy Queen employee because they fucked up my milkshake. This is a have (laughs) ignoring a have not specifically one that they have direct control over the destiny of it's not just another person and if they are just another person why aren't they inviting me to their parties and galas and their five thousand dollar a plate fundraisers for fossil fuel like with (laughs) sorry not for with fossil fuel companies that kirsten cinema was running like that previous week i don't get to i don't get the same benefits as kirsten (laughs) cinema she it's so clearly she's now in the club the democrats said all right you get like she's in, she's in the institutions now and she sees this as a way to, to maintain power the people who are talking to her are like yeah we'll keep paying you if you do this and she's like cool i'm totally happy to, i'm satisfied doing that and the only penalty she has to pay is that somebody follows her into a bathroom with a cell phone while she goes into a stall and like talks questions at her and then everyone goes home well, except the DACA recipient who may have to go to a country that they've never lived in for the rest of their life because of cinema's refusal to like get rid of the, well, not just cinema, the entire Democratic Party to get rid of the filibuster and actually do the things that I straight-facedly told my neighbors they would do.
I would like for each of us to close this episode out with stating to the best of our ability what we're hoping for at an interpersonal I in level. I the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, damn it, Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first so you understand where I'm at. Because I've said some form of this before, and it's kind of like, what is my purpose being here doing this podcast other than I enjoy it, it is fun, I like riffing, I like seeing the notes from y'all. So like outside of the fun factor, uh, my my hope is to get people, when you're talking among your peers, you've heard the various stories of myself, Pepper, Zanny, any guest we've been on, on how we got to where we were, and it always comes from questions. So the example I gave earlier, which I've used before, is if you're talking to someone about defunding the police, of course you're going to get met with, among probably your friends, maybe, someone who doesn't get it or understand. You can't treat that ignorance as blatantly malicious unless that Anything person you can tells find you common to. ground. Everybody's been at least slightly fucked over by the cops. There is so much common ground to find there if you just approach it not as like... You are evil. <laughs> right. And so, you know, the first question I always ask is the most selfish one possible. What have cops done for you that was good or followed through on what you asked of them? And that has been a great gateway thing for me. Among my, you know, you hear us rail against lib shit, lib shit, cracking the <laughs> egg of otherwise innocent ignorance lib shit, I've had a a lot of great progress with that. And I've had a lot of people come around and understand defund the police means the police shouldn't be doing 80% of the jobs they're doing. Some form of the police to handle the things that that force probably is needed for will still exist in some way, shape, or form. But I want a... I don't... Why are the police doing everything with traffic? How about we have people who actually understand <laughs> traffic deal with that? When you're dealing with mental health calls, what was it, Colorado? They moved some stuff around, they changed some funding, and police are not first responders to, uh, like, non-emergency, like, as far as physical safety and violence, mental health calls. And all of a sudden, yeah, people aren't no dying as much or getting beaten as much. So, like, assume people can't imagine the answer. I think that's the problem with a lot of us leftists is we're in it so long, we sit there and go, how can you not imagine something better? And... It all... What was that? It all in it. That's why I find the class analysis and the, specifically the historical material analysis of it so important because it allows you to shred through all the culture war things. A lot of the a lot of people who call themselves left online and a lot of left energy is spent telling you which of your fellow workers you're supposed to be suspicious of and potentially hate or be ready to fucking attack. It's 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 all it's kind of like brand messaging. It's a lot of Coke v Pepsi. You're on the Coke side, which is the good people, yeah. based on culture war things, based on politeness and like. When in reality, optics. the people you should be deeply suspecting and investigating is if you're at Amazon, for example. Uh, if you are talking about organizing, they are literally putting people undercover and trying to report on you and shut that shit down. 
you you gotta you gotta team up, everybody. <laughs> all, all, all the lowly peons have gotta team up, and I, I'm I'm very happy with all the strikes that we're seeing more visible strikes. Kellogg factories on strike, which I'm, this isn't me saying to boycott. I don't know. Don't buy Kellogg shit if you don't want to. Boycotts don't really work. I didn't uh, even know they I made already, Kashi. I didn't even look like fucking everything. granola. I like, and I'm like, oh yay, I'm being vegetarian. No dead animals. Fuck. <laughs> They make fucking everything. It's in, <sighs> the choice is an illusion under capitalism for the most part. And we have the uh, IATSE. The it's the whole entertainment industry. The all the grunts, the guys holding the mics, the ladies doing the makeup, the ladies holding the mics, the guys doing the makeup. <laughs> I don't know why I gendered this. <laughs> um, you know, all the people who actually make the shit happen, who get paid like work rate and uh, same thing, aren't allowed to take pee breaks. If you're the guy, the person who stands there and holds the camera for twelve hours a day, you have to work a million hours. If you have to pee, you're probably just gonna be fired. Like they're going on strike, and that means what? It's time for more animated features to be released. <laughs> Animation houses can be done in other countries where there aren't unions. You can People get voiceover about- role. Well, all your act. This is why you're also seeing a lot more. Uh, Hollywood people voice acting is its own fucking job goddamn it's its own art form <laughs> and to to put fucking Chris Pratt in any voiceover role is ridiculous and stupid there are people that can do the crossover and blend or like they've practiced it Mark Hamill is a great example of someone who transitioned and is arguably a, a better voice actor than he ever was on screen the, the movie that the... solidifies it it was a uh, megamind Megamind would have been an excellent watchable movie, but then they had to go and cast Brad Pitt as the (laughs) dullest voice ever. And like, I like Will Ferrell, but part of Will Ferrell is his physical presence. So you get like these weird Will Ferrell voice histronics, but the visual character doesn't match. And they're doing that because they know the name Will Ferrell, like he's, he's crossed the threshold. If you think it's hard to make it as an actor before... Oh, just you wait. That's still a union. So if they only do the big money people, (laughs) soon they're going to start offering things to people in studios outside the U.S. where they can escape the unions. The uh, there's a reason that all the Marvel movies are. I post a thing in the chat, which is Lindsay oh, Ellis a doing a big long thing about uh, why uh, the the transition in animation voice acting going from just like because in the past the classic Disney movies they they were there wasn't mega stars who voiced everything like the current biggest stars weren't who headlined in cartoon they'd be people who were voice actors like voice talent sometimes they'd be like kind of sort of like a little famous or did some Broadway whatever but now it's done in the opposite where the names are more important than what even the movie is. Like, trailers for animated features coming from Illumination and Blue Sky and even Disney at this point. It's just a, a big list of names, and then right at the end, like, oh, yeah, and this is the movie, by the way. Like, <laughs> they just pack famous people in to have the name there. And what I was going to say about how all the Mar- all the Marvel movies are like, oh, we stuck this actor's face digitally onto a big CG body. <laughs> well, the CG people don't have a union, and hair and makeup and costumes do have a union. So maybe that's why... <laughs> Everything is robot CG suit instead of making an actual costume. What was it? Uh, the the mustache incident? <laughs> the Henry Cavill, Henry, yeah, uh, Superman. <laughs> I'm off topic, but all right to get to bring it back. I agree with you on looking at it through class has helped me a lot. Uh, my issue with it, among talking to various Chicago lib friends, is as soon as you say class they're all well read enough where they go ah here comes that communism shit and this is oh, why that's what's I, in your head 
what right. you do is you stick to all the ultra common things, which is like you say, you, you, if you come out the gate swinging with remove all police, abolish all prisons. <laughs> if you frame it like that right out the gate, a lot of people just don't, they just tune out immediately. But everybody has a problem with not being able to afford their meds. Anybody who has any relative anywhere near the prison system, is you're going to find common ground. Most people agree on the actual material issues and like this is bad and should be changed. Rich people should have to like follow the rules <laughs> like that's a very popular opinion most people agree with that yeah. and if you spend all your time on the left trying to identify your working class enemies and not I tr- spending all your time trying to identify class contradictions that everyone intuitively gets and you just gotta maybe phrase it in a way that they go you know what they're, you're right like and that's super easy because they're the most blatant abuses everybody is down with amazon workers shouldn't have to piss in their own shoe <laughs> or whatever like people agree with that and Hope, let's let's use let's use the example. Sh- let's use the example. If if we were to find out that a racist Amazon worker had to piss in his shoe, a lot of people would go, "Yeah, fuck that guy." And while in isolation, the thought of a racist shithead pissing himself and feeling bad about it <laughs> pleases me. I can also take a step back and go, "Yeah, but that system doesn't care that that dude's a shithead." It's happening to way more good people. Not even good people. It's just happening to way more people. That shouldn't have to happen. And so I don't have to have dinner with a racist, but there will be racists in... There are racists all over in the have-nots. I'm still working on how to reconcile this personally. There was a great analogy talking about poor people and like the various bigotries in it. And if you if you think of like our society as like a thing of water and a a bigotry as like oil getting an oil spill getting pumped into your water, it's like it's not that like fixing. It's not that fixing the leak is going to remove all of the oil from the water, but it is going to stop adding it. Yes. If we remove all of this fake competition and all the shittiness of like, you must now fight with your fellow worker to get this promotion and you know, all the shit that goes along with that. It's not that all racism will magically Thanos snap away, but you can then start working on it. Like, we're not just creating let's, even more and let's more Let's use the body of water and oil example of, we all need to come together and change the direction of this river. Does it matter whether or not the oil's in it? No, not really. There's more water than oil. But if I, as an individual, am going to have a glass of water, I don't want oil in it. Fuck that. (laughs) I get to choose that for me. Go eat shit, you fucking racist. But I still don't want you to be homeless because you're still a person, even if a shitty one. I will continue to say, I want every cop to lose their job immediately and probably not be allowed to be anywhere near any form of authority ever again. I do not want these people or their families to be homeless. I genuinely mean that. There's a worker shortage. We need people to work at restaurants for no money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm caught. We're getting we're, Let's at, do it. we're over an hour. I love you all, my friends. Thank you for listening. This has been Last Minute Politics. I am Pepper Coyote. I am Dragor. Fine common ground with all your angry friends or, or angry co-workers <laughs> but not at, but like don't put yourself through torture don't make yourself suffer oh, yeah, you don't have to accept like, obe- that doesn't mean like accept being treated poorly by no. people that's it that's you thing. can do all of this and have very clear boundaries that might come across as aggression to shitty people that like crossing boundaries great yeah. Res- respect their intelligence enough that you can fucking say what you mean too. <laughs> kind of part of it don't coddle people like, oh, he's just a poor, dumb, idiot working person. Of course he's allowed to be <laughs> like an asshole. No, I was like, no. no. <laughs> 
hold them responsible for their own fucking lives. That's kind of the whole point of this. Okay. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.